of young heroes called the Animorphs. Hello and welcome to Middlemorph Millennials, the podcast that I started to force my friends to read Animorphs and yell at them about dolphins. My name is Morgan. Uh, my name is Jason, and I'm the sucker fish stuck to the bottom of your dolphin. <laughs> and my name is Kate. Um, yeah, I'm not going to claim that. And we can't tell you who we are or where we live. It's too risky. We've got to be careful. Really careful. So we don't trust anyone because if they find us, well, we just won't let them find us. The thing you should know is that everyone is in really big trouble. Yeah, even you. <laughs> I've just figured book four, I'll go ahead and read the end. That's on the back of every single old school Animorphs book, uh, which I said I would never look up, but now here we are. <laughs> so they shortened it for the um, the reprints, but yeah, so... Definitely not near the ocean. No. No. <laughs> so I just, this is uh, Animorphs tangentially related. I just wanted to mention, I started reading um, the, the Gone series by Michael Grant. Uh-huh. The first book is called Gone. And it's set, okay, so let's see if you guys can figure out where this is supposed to be. It's set in quote unquote Perdido Beach. It's a fictional name, but it's near a town called San Luis. <laughs> it's surrounded by mountains and it's near a power plant. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Does where do you think that could be? Does it have a uh, Bugs Bunny um jumping out saying uh all the clams you can eat at Pismo Beach? <laughs> <laughs> uh not yet, but we're getting there. Uh, I it is supposed to be Pismo Beach. I, and I'm I, very I, excited that you picked up on it. <laughs> what, what makes me so happy is uh well yeah, also that Looney Tunes thing. Um like, oh my gosh, so you know our the <laughs> the town next over in our backyard. Uh, whenever we watch those old Looney Tunes. But yeah, that that does sound familiar. I just thought I'd bring that up because of our ongoing discussion of the location of Animorphs. If they know about Pismo Beach, which if you guys don't know, it's a beach on the central coast of California. It's about 20 minutes south of San Luis Obispo. And so if they know about that tiny beach, maybe it is set in on the central coast. Uh, I don't know, because in this book, I was looking back over, I still think it's possibly in the south just because like cassie mentioned that their farm was um they got they got their farm and their family back in the civil war um mm -hmm. and pretty sure i am not a history buff but california wasn't a state then <laughs> well they could have still owned it but i guess it was was it part of the u.s no, no it, it wasn't was mexico i believe again oh, as is so not a history podcast sorry guys <laughs> well they we're gonna have a few maybe if we know anybody who majored in history we can bring them in because there's gonna be some some history books uh so we can get there it's just torture them the unfortunate the, the thing is is like i just know that because they're right by the ocean uh sorry midwesterners uh don't think the animorphs uh live in the midwest in a landlocked uh state or area they are <laughs> They do, in fact, have the ocean. Yeah, they do, and in fact, been... have the ocean. And <laughs> and there's been no mention of cornfields, so no. it definitely can't be the Midwest. <laughs> no wolves running through the cornfields quite yet. So. <laughs> oh, I don't think we mentioned up top that we are, in fact, discussing book number four, The Message, which is a Cassie book. It's amazing. Um, And I have the 
covers for you guys because of course I do. But here's the cover of the original. Boop, boop. It's very boring. It's just Cassie in a wetsuit. It's actually like not the weirdest morph cover. <laughs> yeah. Like. They're definitely getting the hang of it. And then of course you open it up. When you open it up, very beautiful. It's very tropical. Scene. And it's like, that's not anywhere in California. No. You know, I, well, me, me, I mean, La Jolla Cove can be kind of colorful. Um, I've, spot. I've, yeah, in San Diego. I've dove in La Jolla Cove. I mean, like, you get uh, a lot of Garibaldi orange fish, the state fish of California. Um, but it's still the Pacific and it's still cold and it's not. It, it doesn't have like a, a super vibrant reef like you'd get in the Caribbean. I'm I'm honestly not sure if we can trust the covers. Like I feel like they were like, this is <laughs> yeah, adjacent no, and good enough, but this is not canonical. <laughs> Here's the reprint. The reprint, the one that doesn't have the holographic image on it, where it's just the middle morph, is super hilarious. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, does yours face. do yours have the holographic ones kate i feel like no 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 mine uh are are not holographic they're the old school um but that sorry listeners is like uh um so half morph uh for that image was human <laughs> she has no nose no, yeah the nose is that's... turning into the bottle nose but it's all still like human skin color so you got the sort of like emerging shape of a, a dolphin nose coming out of a human face but uh <laughs> it's like it's like a rectangle with a baby bottle nozzle yeah it's... on it <laughs> it's derpy it's like a I don't know, kind of like a, a Muppet that went wrong somewhere. <laughs> Where's the blowhole in that picture? <laughs> oh, Sometimes they describe their nose going up to up in between their eyes. Yeah. To their top of their head. So that's cool. <laughs> that must Exciting. feel awesome. Do you think it like does something with the gums or just like all gums? Like just like <laughs> nose to <laughs> gums to lip. To you need to put in your fake teeth for the pageant sort of a thing. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I thought this this one had some interesting like themes. I feel like the books so far we've had personal struggle of each character. Like Jake, we find out that Tom's a controller. Rachel, we find out that her friend's parents are controllers. And in the third book, Tobias is dealing with his talkness. <laughs> Tobias is like, you guys think you, can... you have problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like this one definitely has some different kind of character development and also like interesting themes about the fight that or like the the morality of what they're doing that don't really get explored until now. I gotta just say so. I loved this book. Um, so far, it's awesome i think it's my favorite i mean i liked the third one too but uh increasingly feeling like getting more into the stride of uh of the storyline so far this one was super fun mm -hmm. it's always like the first couple episodes of a tv show and you're like oh okay like you know we'll see the writing might get better yeah <laughs> then... yeah exactly exactly <laughs> we're like episode four finally like we're, we're, we're getting into it yeah yeah this yeah one, i this really one. like this one i mean we get our new character at the so very we get end. our sixth animorph um, which is exciting. Well, not the sixth Animorph, technically. It's interesting because throughout the book series, um, they refer to Axe, who's an Andalite, as... So on the back of the books, it says, the Animorphs and Axe. 
like almost every time they're referring to all of them. So it's kind of interesting how he's like kept apart from the Animorphs. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> Spoilers. That is interesting. Yes, yeah. Is it just because it's like, okay, well, we're originally humans? I'm I'm just assuming that's probably the bias. Maybe. Or just like Marco named them when they were, you know. <laughs> Marco closed uh-huh. uh, up the treehouse and said no more people. <laughs> I think it probably has to do with the fact that all, well, most Andalites have this power and humans do not. So they are, the Animorphs are unique in that they are humans with a morphing power because they're the only ones, whereas Axe isn't special because he has the morphing power. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah. Or maybe they just are very xenophobic and don't like. Yeah, that's probably it. Mm. That's why also. So you'll notice that the Tobias and Axe books alternate. So each kid out of every 10 gets two books, except for Axe and Tobias only get one each. So I feel, uh, and I've heard before that Scholastic thought that kids wouldn't relate to the alien or the kid trapped as a bird as much <laughs> as the other characters. Okay. And that has become wildly, wildly untrue. Oh my Just... gosh. Well, I bet back then they're like, what are trans people? What are queer kids? What are minorities? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that there's like Latina person, a black person, and in like one group of kids they're like you get one minority <laughs> so so they had to make their own other minorities to have <laughs> oh my gosh yeah no that's that's a bummer just because yeah so far i do find tobias's storyline i like cassie's too but uh tobias's storyline to be way more interesting than sorry rachel's cool i'm becoming a fan of rachel she's awesome but i'm just sorry jake <laughs> jake could have had more books cut i feel like <laughs> Well, we're going to get more into her, into Rachel's, like, deal. Like, I feel like I said this previously, but she didn't get as much characterization in the second book as she does later. Oh, okay. Because the book two is, like, her before photo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, she's, like, really cool in, like, so far book three and book four. It's just like, okay, yeah, no, like, Rachel uh, just is ready to take the bull by the horns and, well, actually, she's just the bull and she'll just go charge at people it's great (laughs) (laughs) she is the bull yeah (laughs) for sure all right so i have the first part so it starts with our shenanigans of cassie at night in the barn at midnight trying to figure out there's something in the barn that has been taking and killing their birds that are they're trying to rehabilitate in her dad's wildlife rehabilitation clinic so she thinks the best thing to do instead of morphing an owl which would be smarter she morphs a squirrel in the middle of the night in a barn and by herself full of dangerous animals (laughs) yeah so she's freaking out she's super panicked it's a prey animal it's just like when rachel morphed the shrew which i feel like she saw how rachel had a hard time with the shrew mind but still did this by herself anyway um, and she has a really hard time taking control of the panicked squirrel brain. So you know this goes well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, not as well as Tobias and Rachel's, like, car-crushing shenanigans in the last book. <laughs> so she's fighting to get control of the morph, and Tobias shows up, and she freaks out. She still doesn't have control of the morph, and she, like, Tobias kind of swoops, like, he's 
he's not diving for her, but he's like, hmm, that squirrel looks tasty. Mm. And she almost runs into the fox that was hiding in the barn, which is the creature that was taking their birds. Finally, uh, she <laughs> gets control over the squirrel brain and asks Tobias for help. And he's like, sh- he's like, what the dot dot dot? Is that you, Cassie? And I thought it's possible that the dot 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 implies that he actually like swore, but they cut it out because they do that a few other times. <laughs> Where they do a dot, dot, dot instead of a dash to be like, there's a cuss here. Don't worry about it, children. I mean, kids my age, when they were probably reading this, were also watching South Park. So, I mean, it's nothing, <laughs> yes. nothing new. I mean, this poor fox. I've I read Mr. Fantastic Mr. Fox and his family's going to start now. <laughs> well, they don't say what they did to the fox. They didn't do anything to the fox. But maybe the fox is Yet. so scared he doesn't come back. Or she tells her dad her dad does that. I, I'm just saying, I don't know, my mind canon, that fox does not end up in a good well, place. Well, they save foxes, so I bet they'll just relocate it. In to... which case, its family would starve. <laughs> You're right. I almost wish it was like a de- uh, like a raccoon, and then they could like relocate it to like the dumpster behind a Denny's. raccoons are also very plausible for taking and destroying birds especially out of cages uh, because they have the um, fingers to be able to actually unlock cages to do that oh god yeah it's terrible oh oh they they uh raccoons took out a batch of my chickens one point during my childhood it was a massacre it was awful it's like yeah they eat they're like totally carnivores and that's another thing like you see people and they don't have like raccoons as pets i was like how do you like they're so raccoon cute proof. yes but it's like how do you raccoon proof anything like they're inquisitive smart and like okay so like they can get into like oh, doors and yeah. locks and things like like how do you like do you just have like a lock on everything <laughs> the padlock everything and even then no yeah raccoons and they get huge they get ginormous um especially the ones that um or down in Isla Vista, down by UCSB, that uh, uh, drink and eat up all the empties oh, yeah. everybody leaves out of uh, drunk college students <laughs> in the front yards. Ooh. Empty natty light <laughs> cans. It's midnight. Everybody's like wandering home drunk down in Isla Vista, and you just see just like these fleets of of dark, humongous raccoons, just <laughs> the size of dogs, yeah. going across the road, and they just don't care. They will go where we lived. It was actually funny. Like this, like I don't know what the 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 word is for the group, but like I'm gonna say like a herd of raccoons and like um, <laughs> a herd of wild cats, like actually befriended each other and you would see them walking around with each other all the time and come from the dumpster together and like Aww. it was adorable and also just like great they've combined forces <laughs> okay one second i'm gonna look up group of raccoons a group of raccoons name gaze and then a gaze a raccoon i think a Z isn't a group the of cats group of cats are called a clowder a clowder yeah. chowder Cloud. You got uh, a a gaze and clouder there uh, with your united front. <laughs> a group of cats is called my aunt's house. Oh my gosh, <laughs> cat lady! I think she had up to thirteen at one point. That's too many. Oh my gosh, gaze. It is gaze is a good name for a raccoon. Okay, so in this scene, one thing I did notice too is that Cassie Cassie kind of described more of Tobias's like bird behavior, and so he scares the fox off. 
and then perches and she says he fluffs up his feathers and started preening. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Cassie's just more observant than the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's like attuned to the animals. But she, I think also she actually does say this, I think, in the book, this book. It's just, you know, she does notice that Tobias definitely seems to be settling more into being a hawk. That's true. Yeah. yeah so it could just be that he's acting more like a bird. He's accepting it. And he's also kind of snippy about Cassie saving this golden eagle because they kill hawks, which I wrote down because that's some long game foreshadowing right there. It is not what you think. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel comfortable saying that. So Tobias goes uh, on a killing spree and takes out all the golden eagles. That's what you're saying, Morgan. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, they're going to get a golden eagle friend. He becomes a bird I just like somehow see Tobias with like a dracon beam or like a knife in his beak and he's just going after all the golden eagles. (laughs) Um, So Cassie starts demorphing from Squirrel and her dad walks in just as she's finishing demorphing but still has a big floofy squirrel tail. Um, So she turns around and like faces him and tries to like hide it um, as she demorphs it. But her dad is like, Cass, can you turn around? And she does, and the tail's gone. He's like, oh, man, I just must be still asleep. (laughs) So it was a close call. Gosh, actually, being able to, like, morph, and if you could just, like, half morph and just, like, have a big fluffy tail like that, especially in, like, winter where, I'm sorry, we are in California, so we do not experience true winters. But it does get cold at times, (laughs) and having a really big fluffy tail really sounds nice to keep you cozy. (laughs) Um, That would have been fashion in middle school. Like, oh, what's your tail? Like, look remember like? when people had those tails that they would clip onto their oh their back God. belt buckle? Wow, it was like pre furries. We should have seen the furries coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes they would wear cat ears. Anyway, so uh, Cassie's dad leaves, and Tobias mentions that he is there because he's been having these dreams of something calling to him from the sea and cassie's been having the same dreams explains also why she is in the barn at night um and so then we cut to obviously there's something going on here so they call a meeting the next day they go to rachel's house to talk about the dreams that they've been having guess who is the loudest Yeah. Creepiest. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. So uh, Marco's like, well, I haven't been, haven't been having any dreams about the ocean. But ju- and, and in the original, it says just about talking to King Friday. And then also dreams about, quote, the woman from Baywatch. Oh, right. So in the reprint, they changed it from King Friday to Elmo. And then the woman from Baywatch to the woman who lifeguards at the beach. Yeah, it was very random. And that was in my reprint book. Thank you for the clarification there. (laughs) It's because David Hasselhoff is too hot. (laughs) Yeah. Wait a minute. Uh, Also, for old tech alert, uh, Jake says not everybody has a DVR. I guess uh, no one else watched Late Liz last Mm -hmm. night. Is that changed uh, at all? Because I have the reprinted version. Yeah. So later... Well, they're talking about the the dream and she starts to think like she was just imagining it. But then Jake pulls out this tape, this like videotape. And in the reprint, Marco says, cool, a piece of prehistoric technology. And in the original, he says something like, cool, let's watch a movie. Yeah, prehistoric technology. I feel targeted. (laughs) I I grew up with VCRs. I mean, the Little Mermaid, the cool blue Monsters Inc. one. Yeah. Like we, we would tape South Park episodes and Dragon Ball Z episodes. I mean, we pirated the fuck <laughs> out of like TV shows back then, you know? You Remember just, like... when anime children sit down circle up children 
back in the day, anime dubs were straight garbage. There were no good anime yeah. dubs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But that's all you had. Mm-hmm. You didn't have any, yep. any sub- subtitles. You just had the dubs on Adult Swim at Night. So that's what you had. <laughs> yeah. Or going to Blockbuster, you know, and they got just that tiny little section. And it was still back in the day where, like, all, like, the, the different volumes for a season would come together to make a picture from the spines. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh, the days. Oh, my the gosh. days. Yeah. Remember, kids, when you had to go and to a store to rent your videos? Pay well, no, money actually, for that. there was even, um, <laughs> like, at our market, the grocery store, they had a little video rental section. And so I rented mm-hmm. the Yeah, they did at mine, too. Out of Little Mermaid, like, not Little Mermaid the movie, but Little Mermaid the TV show. And then they only had, oh, like, TV show one fire. or two of um, the v- uh, VHSs that were just, like, you know, a couple episodes each. So I saw those episodes, like, a bajillion times, but I never saw it. Like, you never see a full se- uh, series of anything like that back at VHS because everybody only had, like, bits and pieces of seasons of things. Yeah. And you used to be able to rent video game consoles at Blockbuster. So mm-hmm. I do remember distinctly seeing Sega Genesis's Sega Genesis, <laughs> like hanging, hanging from a thing at Blockbuster. And used to, I used to rent, I rented Sonic Three for Sega Genesis like a ton of times, and until eventually we found it at a Toys R Us in like L.A. It was like in the back. Yeah, it was. I think it's called good times. a clouder oh. of uh, Sega Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, speaking of Toys R Us, another, you know, store millennials killed, thank you, uh, <laughs> is um, it took me forever when I was a kid to find out they sold video games. Like, they were huge stores, and I loved them, and I always felt like we never bought anything from them. So I was always just, like, there. I was always just able to look. We never bought anything from Toys R Us because it was, like... That was, like, stuff that you got you got stuff from there for your birthday, and so you never went there. Your parents did without you. <laughs> seriously though because it was like the expensive toys were at toys r us and you had to go mm-hmm. to like some like whatever boot not boutique but like small like toy shop to be like here's your five dollars <laughs> and then yeah. spend on some whatever action figure or whatever but i think that's true morgan though because i remember as a kid never really going into toys r us because you wanted everything but the parents would clock what you want and then you know that's what you get for your birthday so i think toys r us was just the parents thing and we all grew up and maybe that's why toys r us went out of business yeah but there's a reason why we called ourselves middle morph millennials anyway (laughs) so uh i did note that cassie cassie talks about how rachel has these quotes on her bulletin board and now they're like by sun tzu and about war and stuff and they used to be about being a good person or whatever (laughs) honestly if they have like a blade remake wesley snipes did great but maybe like rachel (laughs) could do it hell yeah i mean buffy oh yeah so i feel like she should have been called buffy a lot more Marco later starts calling her Xena Warrior Princess. Also another old show. (laughs) (laughs) That. For sure. Which is on Hulu. Both of them are on Hulu if you want um, lesbian love. But uh, I feel like Buffy would have been a more timely. Well, actually, this book came out before Buffy. Yeah, because this was 96 still, right? And Buffy was 97. We are 96. I think. This is, yeah. So anyway, um... Then I also noted that she just goes around and describes the Animorphs and what they're like. And we do get confirmation that Cassie like likes Jake. Like, like, like. Which like is it a that thing way. Like. We used to say, yeah, for having a crush on someone. 
<laughs> Finally, <laughs> someone admits it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake totally has a crush on her. You see that one yeah. in this book too, which is great. But yeah, come on, Jake. <laughs> or Cassie, um, somebody. Uh, a little dense there. <laughs> Yes, of course. It's, it's going to take a minute. Um, of course, Kat, uh, Rachel and Tobias pick up on their chemistry immediately, and it takes Jake forever. Um, so they go downstairs, and they watch this news story that Jake recorded on his cassette tape. And, or not cassette, video cassette, technically. <laughs> and this news story is about a guy who found a piece of metal with weird writing on it. And Jake mentions that it is similar to the writing that he saw in Elfangor's ship in the first book when he went in to get the Morphin Cube. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Cassie passes out and she has a vision of falling into the ocean and someone calls out, I'm here. I am here. I cannot survive much longer. If you hear me, come. If you hear me, come. You're missing the part where Jake caught her before she fell. Oh, oh yeah. I know. Jake catches Romantic. her before she hits the ground. I just have to say, a little swoony. Okay. All right, now continue. Yes. <laughs> And it's in thought speak. So whenever uh, something thought speak, it's in brackets, like the the <laughs> the brackets that are with the comma and the period key on your keyboard. The two like greater than or less than signs, I guess, is what it mm -hmm. is. So and and this quote is in those brackets. So she wakes up and Rachel is like has the phone. She's dialed nine one. She's ready to hit one again. And Marco's like, no, don't do it. And you get the impression security reasons. He doesn't want the, the ambulance to come and um the EMTs to be asking questions. And Rachel's ready to tell him to F off and call anyway. But then Cassie's like, no, I'm fine. Don't, don't call because they can't, I'm fine. And they can't help Tobias. So Rachel puts the phone down. Oh, because Tobias also passed out. Mm-hmm. I'm saying if we were, if this is again we're aging this up for millennials they would be like I can't <laughs> afford it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, Please well, don't. This is going to cost my parents so much money. I can't even pay for the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them to send an Uber. <laughs> oh my god yeah so cassie rushes over to check on tobias because vet veterinarian in training and sees that he's still breathing he wakes up and has like this hawk reaction he like fluffs himself up and cassie's like nobody move tobias it'd be fine and he gets a hold of himself pretty quickly which i think is is telling he's been dealing with the hawk brain for a while um so he gets a hold of himself and Cassie tells them about the vision, and then others say that they felt something too. They didn't feel, they didn't hear anything, but they felt something. And honestly, I not to interject again, but I will, because <laughs> this is another thing where it's like, we'll see this in the next coming chapters, but they're like, I'm not sure this was real. I was like, you guys all literally felt it. <laughs> At the same time, you and another person had the same, like, but you're still also type doubting it. Okay, I see what right? you're saying. Yeah, it's it's like denial, but it's like, girl, <laughs> this is like, yeah, it's it's they it's willful denial. It's so much is, and I'm just like, guys, you need to be you need to be in it to win it, <laughs> like this. <laughs> Sorry, that's all I had to say. Just more of like, guys, come on, <laughs> like, like there's aliens. Like you can change the animals. How much more do you need to believe in like stuff that's not even like that like out there? Yeah, suspend your disbelief. right. And this isn't even the weirdest thing that happens in this book. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. And then I think throughout the rest of the book, they just keep blaming it on like Cassie. This was your dream, right, Cassie? Your dream, like Cassie. Are we following your dreams some more? Um, but they're like, yeah. 
the others kind of experienced whiffs of it too, especially Tobias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So t- Jake is like, did it sound like a human voice? And she says, no, it reminded her of the Andalite. And Ooh. so they kind of like have a moment of somber remembrance. And Rachel's like, well, if this is an Andalite, Marco, I know that doesn't mean much to you, but I think that's significant. And he's like, actually, that does mean a lot to me. And he kind of surprises everybody by saying, if an Andalite needs help, I'm there. Oh, my God. I just opened the window and now there's crows. (laughs) Crows. A murderer of crows. So anyway, they all agree unanimously to help this Andalite. So next scene. At night, they go to the beach to try and see if they can kind of feel or sense anything. Marco kind of theorizes that the reason why Cassie and Tobias are the ones that heard the message is because Cassie is, like, good at morphing and close to animals. And Tobias is permanently in morph, so that kind of brings him closer to Thoughts speak all the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then, so they're on the beach... And there's a bunch of people with flashlights who are kind of doing that search thing in a line, looking mm. kind of for more evidence of Andalites. And the kids run away, but someone starts shooting at them with a gun, like a human gun, not a Draken beam. Gets serious. Yeah. Um, yeah, that. And Cassie does note that, right? She's like, this is different, and it feels a lot scarier. Yeah, this is the first time they've been shot at with a human human gun. Also, love, it was the black girl's book where they first had them being shot at with guns. Yeah. Okay. Um, So they go into the ocean, and they morph trout, but trout are freshwater fish, so they're in pain. It's the ocean because it's all water. So they're like lungs are or gills are burning. So they're like just swim as far down the beach as they can stand to and then demorph and go home. <laughs> and that's it. That's our like side escapade note kind of weird thing. Um, at, at one point we do hear Chapman being like that idiot shooting. So it was just like one dumb controller. It's trigger happy. Yeah, the Yurk that was like, um, what does this do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they don't do anything for a few days after this, the normal human stuff. Um, then Jake comes to talk to Cassie while she's mucking out the stables and asks Cassie what she wants to do. He asks her because she's the only one with the visions who can morph. Because Tobias, like, if they go into the ocean, he can't go with them. Although a cute little fox scuba set would kind of be, you know, (laughs) adorable. Scuba hawk. Oh, scuba hawk. Yeah, I'm all for that. (laughs) And this is where we have like a lot of the conversation about how she's like, I don't want to decide because that means if someone gets hurt, it's my fault, my responsibility. And then she kind of has this thing where she's like, Jake, can you decide for me? And he's like, if you want me to. And then she's like, yeah, you would do that. But also then it would be your fault. So I'll decide to take responsibility and say, okay, let's go. Let's do this. And Jake is like, okay, we need a morph that can travel long distances without getting eaten. Mm-hmm. Think about it. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's like, um, it's like the beginning of you see, like before it's like, we really feel like Cassie seems to be sort of the, um, I don't know, there's like the the less, the character with the least amount of faults. And then obviously, you know, we start mm-hmm. to see where where some of her weaknesses lie. And hers is um, taking, uh, it's it's not like taking responsibility because she, she has responsibilities and, you know, helps her dad and you know, pets and everything. But it's making executive decisions. Yeah, she doesn't yeah, want to lead. Doesn't want... She, uh, yeah, she doesn't yeah. want to She's okay with following and being there and supporting for other people. But she doesn't necessarily want to have to lead and make those choices that 
can, as she's very well aware, have supreme consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which will be really interesting seeing that juxtaposition with Jake, who will go crashing into just doing anything as a flea and not help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Well, and he's the one that has to make the decision, so we'll see how that works out in the long run. Oh, yeah, and it's sweet because he's like, okay, I gotta go. I have to study for a test that I failed. And she's like, you're just saying that so you don't have to shovel manure. And he's like, Cassie, I would rather shovel manure with you with you than do homework without you any day. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Collective aw. <laughs> and so she's left to decide, what are they gonna morph? I didn't see the cover of this book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to head to the gardens again where her mom works as a vet and remember it's like a dual zoo slash wildlife park slash roller coaster slash discovery kingdom yeah <laughs> bunch of things. it's whatever we need we're describing it vaguely for like future all reference. zoo tycoon like marine tycoon <laughs> uh the roller coaster yes it's a mu- it's what is it roller coaster tycoon and zoo tycoon yeah combined. but then there's also like a marine expansion to zoo tycoon and then i don't know there's a dinosaur expansion too so she hasn't mentioned that in the books yet <laughs> and it's kind of cute because they're taking the bus which you have to pay for and I'm like, why? You all own wings that you can equip? <laughs> like, right? just fly into just the park. A bird? <laughs> and then also, they're paying to get into the gardens. And it's like, and we, I did go back. We talked about this in episode one with Tobias because he was like, I don't want to go in because all I need is my hawk morph. And we were wondering if it was because he couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And in this one, they explicitly say that Marco can't afford to pay. Which it gets uh, kind to get of into the gardens. sad. Yeah, because yeah. his his dad hasn't really been holding down a job. Um, yeah. and but they do have a special going on for buy two tickets get one for a dollar. And she's like, Marco did have a dollar, so fortunately we didn't have to deal with that. And it's like, you guys are you guys the ones deciding to take the bus and to pay to get into the gardens? Because you should really understand how that is affecting your friend, that like three bucks that he doesn't have now. Mm-hmm. So just an FYI, maybe don't. In the in 1996, that's like three days worth of lunch at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was like, I was like a little insensitive to Marco's like situation nobody's gonna pay for him and nobody's like morph into a flea morph into a tiny thing bird into a a bird a seagull like just come on guys we didn't have to like make us feel bad for marco because of this because i'm like oh my god i'm so sad for him figure it out so they go in it's not a super busy day so they head over to the dolphin tank and everybody's like oh my god the dolphins are so cool jumping out of the water and doing tricks and stuff and i thought that was kind of cute because it's like yeah i definitely felt the same way when i was their age yeah like dolphins are so cool they're very cool i was that girl i liked horses and dolphins and tigers oh, triple threat <laughs> yeah exactly uh so cassie knows the dolphin trainer eileen who gives these 13 or 14 year olds a bucket of fish and says have at it and leaves them alone with the dolphins yep. i mean let's be real like the documentary blackfish i feel like taught me that like those trainers aren't like necessarily like uberly qualified to be handling animals <laughs> i feel like <laughs> i'm like okay this kind of tracks for me like <laughs> negligent trainer yeah oh my goodness oh and then a detail important detail the dolphins are named joey monica chandler ross phoebe and Thank rachel you oh my god detail. <laughs> you i didn't get it until you just said it what no. <laughs> Oh my god, and 
I kisses. love friends. I, I ki- no, I know, and I like, I love friends too, and I just like, I just actually got it now. I was like, how did I, how did I miss that? I mean, I read these at night before bed, but like, like, oh my god. Okay, it's the friends. When do you okay. when do you ever see Chandler in casual conversation? <laughs> it's the nineties. <90s. laughs> oh come on. Those are names for people that are not in our generation. <laughs> also, if I was Rachel, I would be like, I have to acquire the dolphin Rachel. name. Rachel. Rachel, yeah. <laughs> Nobody's gonna acquire Ross, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's everybody joey monica phoebe and Rachel. yeah no ross the dolphin might have a heart of gold but i'm sorry he has an unfortunate name <laughs> oh. yeah. so cassie's kind of hesitant to acquire them because they're supposed to be smart and she's worried they're gonna have like a brain and it'll be just like the yerks she doesn't say that but it's kind of implied and so when she they go to acquire them she's like may i and doesn't get a response because it's a dolphin. This kind of goes to maybe starting to support the point that Andalites and Yurks are related because Cassie is picking up on like, yeah, you're kind of controlling an animal just as Yurks are controlling, you know, whatever their host body is, even though they're morphing into that animal's DNA. Uh, but also Cassie had this whole speech about how they're harnessing the power of this animal spirits, like in the first book, you know, at the end. Yeah, I mean, I they're not perfect. They're wrestling with different thoughts all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I couldn't get on Cassie's side for this. I'm like, you're not controlling like the animal. Like, if you, if you like acquired Phoebe the dolphins, like, like you're not making Phoebe do anything. Like, like you can clone a sheep, and it's like not the same sheep. Like, yeah, I just said it. You're not dim- doing anything to the original, right? Animal. It's not gonna have memories. If you cloned a person, it's not gonna have memories or you know those experiences or personality. Like, it's like. Here's a dead body. Let's animate it, and you get to be the mind. I don't know. I just I was just put your brain inside this dead reanimated body. Yeah, yeah. but I can also kind of see Cassie's thing because like you are copying. It's weird because you are copying its DNA, but like what happens to their brains has to be really interesting because it has to take like obviously some of the animal like shapes and functions and connections if it's gonna be like that. But it's like the connections aren't necessarily like that. Like the 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 types of connections and like the specific connections like an individual's brain has made you know and like the um it's like feedback loops and it's like neurotransmitters and like things that are you know myelination yeah and like things that's that, a like, word i know <laughs> things, things that like really contribute to like forming like chemically forming like your long-term and short-term memory like those are things that are formed through like experiences and like you know like um certain pathways like um being uh uh being activated like over again and again and it's so it's like you can't really like copy that you know i if mm. it, they're, they're really selling on like the dna part and it's like you know like the ability to create these structures and these chemicals is like in the dna but it's like like the actual like how they formed and like a, a baby like, bird still has to learn to fly yes kind you of know thing. so it's just like I, I don't obviously like I get it it's like not there but there but I'm like Cassie <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's not that spiritual <laughs> you know it's like it's it's not like you've cloned little Tibby and little Tibby's like I don't want to fight the shark and you're like shut up Tibby fight the shark <laughs> it's like, I don't know I just 
And it's like, it, it's like, I don't know. It's really, it, there was a step there for me that I just like could not like get behind for her. That's my rant. Sorry. I kind of feel the same way. Side comment. If they all uh, acquire Phoebe the dolphin, they could be a pot of Phoebes. <laughs> and they could all sming, sing smelly cat in harmony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, smelly fish they at could that point. Chirp it like a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> okay what i i, I agree uh jason yes cassie hemi uh hems and haws a lot yeah and i feel like it is important to kind of have someone to ask those questions or at least i've heard people say that it's important to have someone ask those <laughs> questions but i think it's like asked answered move on and not like grapple with it for a long time yeah like like that i guess i agree with you Morgan. it's like yeah it's important to answer those questions but it doesn't need to be like this is her main str- personal struggle for the book like her like her leadership right. and the ethics behind morphing i'm like one of these doesn't need to be a a, a whole arc <laughs> like yeah but okay that's that's i'm 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 done <laughs> So the next day is Friday, and so they go, instead of going to the beach, they actually go to a river to morph because it's less crowded than the beach, which is, like, smart. And you can kind of tell how in this book they're getting, like, in each book, actually, they're getting smarter than the previous book. Uh, It's opposed to turning into trout and getting sucked up into a spaceship. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And then also they're having... Well, and they did this in the last book too, but they're having Cassie more first to check out the dolphin brain. And also probably because this is her book. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a lot more considered than in previous times. And we get a long morph description of her turning into a dolphin um, that's like several pages long. So, But it's not as graphic. I feel like as some of the other ones they've described. Yeah, dolphins are physically very streamlined, yeah. so I feel like there's not much you can do as far as like the yeah don't have like a lot of body fur, horror. like yeah just popping up yeah, all over yeah not sprouting eight legs or something yeah <laughs> and so she's like worried that there's gonna be some sort of like conscious dolphin mind in the dolphin morph, but not really. It's just got instincts. It's chill because it's kind of a predator. It's not prey animal and it's just very happy and playful like the dog morph when jake was like morphing homer so it's just like a very playful and wants to play and have fun kind of brains they just want to have fun (laughs) which i think really shaped my formative ideas of dolphins when in reality they're nightmare creatures who commit murder and rape yeah (laughs) let's not forget about that Ducks and so, dolphins. Yeah, dolphins are cute. I had Flipper. I had Flipper. Oh, Flipper with yeah. Elijah Wood oh. and Crocodile Dundee. Wow. Yes. Wow. When I was a kid on VHS, <laughs> and so I definitely was like, yeah, dolphins are so cute. Yeah, dolphins like murder porpoises for fun. Not even because they compete for food. They go out of their way to go to porpoise territory on murder vacations. Oh, that's so human of them. <laughs> <laughs> They were the most human-like of all. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they'll murder baby porpoises and stuff. It's very sad and yeah. gross and graphic. So that's my dolphin fact I wanted to bring <laughs> to the fun time. Okay. I, I guess really quickly, since we're in the river with dolphins, everybody check out river dolphins. They are nightmarish. They're, that is not something you want to be in the water with. Don't they have, like, saw like they're they're like snouts are like extra long and their teeth are just a little different i oh god see nope (laughs) 
<laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. The pink river dolphins are really crazy. Yeah, they look like mutated beluga whales. Aww. Yeah, it's very much just like, you know, the 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 Alabama inbreeding of dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> Not cute, not cuddly. I'm like, ew, do not touch me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they're endangered, though, mm-hmm. and they're protected species. Why? Sure. Again, like <laughs> whales. Sure. They, they should live and be happy, but away from me, please. Thank okay. you. Okay, they're bye. cool. Uh, I can get behind them. <laughs> okay, let's go with some dolphin facts. Okay. <laughs> okay, so here's my first dolphin fact is going to be that in Greek mythology, dolphins are often seen as helpers of humans. Mm-hmm. And seeing uh, dolphins in the wake of a ship was often good luck. And Cupid is often portrayed riding a dolphin. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, huh. So my dolphin facts are, we're having a dolphin fact battle. Um, there are uh, 40 uh, different uh, species uh, named as dolphins. Um, and they range in size from being like 5 foot um, 7 inches long. So 1.7 meters to uh, like the Maui's dolphin to being 31 feet long uh, like a killer whale. What? <laughs> so killer whales are considered dolphins, guys. Oh, Really? Apparently. Yeah. That's I learned a new thing. Um, <laughs> to Jason is just somberly yeah. related yeah. to each other. <laughs> Fuck them. Yeah, does it does it make them better? <laughs> just, you know, uh, killer whales are cool. Killer whales are vicious. <laughs> um, some dolphins they can travel to um, speeds up to eighteen miles per hour. Um, and uh, a group of dolphins is called a pod, but it is also called a school. The male dolphins are called bulls, and the females are called cows, and their babies are called calves. Yeah, you know, for these kids, if they really wanted to morph into something that would not mess with them in the ocean, killer whale, oh, hell yeah. apex predator, Hands down. apex predator, uh-huh. sharks wouldn't the even. Sharks would just be them. like, they, we sent a killer whale. Sorry, we're getting out of yeah. here. Yeah, that's the smartest. Those at home can't see. I'm winking at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good. All right, so they wise up at some point and say, you know, dolphin was fun, but... I want to know why they didn't acquire this humpback whale. whale. It was... And Marco was right there sitting on top of her. Like... Yeah. They all were. I feel like maybe... Okay, not to spoil the ending, obviously, but, like, maybe they do at the end and it comes up later in another book, but, like, did they think that'd be rude? (laughs) Well, that's the thing is, Morgan, didn't you say you can't acquire when you're in an animal morph already? You can't acquire another animal while you're in another in a certain right? But they morph? ride on it at the end. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They all do. Yeah, no, yeah, they. You're right. They're all in human. Uh, they're all in human form. No, they're just yeah, not the brightest. Yeah. My other dolphin fact is that there is a Wikipedia page that is called Military Dolphin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we like train dolphins mm-hmm. to do bullshit. They like... look for active. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the dolphins have been trained to rescue lost swimmers. Cute. Heartwarming. Or to swim head first into active deep sea mines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's just like, <laughs> terrible. Like, that's cruel. <laughs> oh god, that is horrible. Like, what's... What's the most cost-effective thing here? Acquiring a dolphin <laughs> and trading it to suicide? Or, like, shooting a piece of metal at, like, a <laughs> deep-sea mine? Like, I don't know. But I guess we know that people are still capturing dolphins and selling them to the to the, to the military <laughs> and zoos. So, 
Okay. The beluga, a beluga was found uh, to have been trained by the Russian Navy. It was wearing a harness that was labeled Equipment of St. Petersburg, seemed comfortable around humans, and attempted to pull ropes from the sides of a fishing vessel. <laughs> but why? Cool. Weird. People. Yeah. Weird. I'm tr- 100%. I wish there was a, um, I wish there was like a, a Seropedia page for like all of their morphs. Seropedia is the uh, Wikipedia page for Animorphs. Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. Okay. 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 So they did not acquire it. The whale? A whale. Yeah. A whale killer whale. Later. They get the killer whale. I mean, yeah, honestly, anyway. if you change into a whale, like, at a yerk pool, you'll smoosh all the yerks. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing good. I mean, and where would they uh, climb into? There's, like, where are the ears? Yeah. <laughs> no, they just dropped the whale from the Yeah, like, I was just thinking, window. like, you just dropped the whale <laughs> into the... You guys <laughs> remember that, that scene from Emperor's New Groove where he turns into the whale and makes the big splash? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> just like that. Exactly. Um, who is up next? All right, I am. So let's start diving in, literally. Um, <laughs> so Cassie finishes uh, morphing into a dolphin in the river. And she encourages everyone else to like hurry up because uh, her dolphin brain kicks in and she just wants to play and swim out to the ocean. So the four of them as dolphins school together and uh, they soon get into the salt water. So they can't really stop themselves. They just start playing and bounding through the surf. Um, and uh, Cassie's like, life was joy. Life was a game. I wanted to <laughs> dance. I want to dance through the sea. And so I did. Um, so they're having a really good time just letting uh, Dolphin Brain uh, lead them around and just uh, uh, experiencing like the full zooming through the water and flying around and uh, having a good time. So Tobias flying above and reminds them uh, that they already wasted 45 minutes playing around. So they need to be looking for the Andalite spaceship um, that's calling out to, me- to them in their dreams. So uh, they get their dolphin's brains to focus and they make um, searching into a game. So they start competing against each other on who can find the sunken spaceship first. And Tobias calls them just like a bunch of five-year-olds. Uh, Cassie <laughs> discovers the use of her echolocation. So she uses a lot of clicks underwater as a dolphin to see everything. Um, so she senses something large out into the depths. She senses this is something that she doesn't like. So the others concur. Cassie pegs it down um, that it's a shark that's out there and uh, dolphins do not like sharks. So Tobias reasoned that they are um, not here to uh, pick a fight with a shark. And Rachel says that she's sensed more than one shark and something bigger. Cassie agrees. She says, yeah, there are several sharks out there and there's one great one. So the dolphin mind calls it a great one. And Cassie then deduces that that means a whale. So a whale was being attacked by sharks and all the other dolphin morphs are upset by this as well. They innately care about the great ones. Rachel says that they can do what they want, uh, but she was going to go help. Uh, And Tobias is like, oh, there's a big surprise. And uh, he said it with a wary affection. Um, They all raced forward and found a whale being attacked by five sharks. Cassie took on the tiger shark and she rammed into it with uh, at full speed. Uh, The shark then uh, swam away bleeding. Um, She saw that it was a humpback whale that was trying to surface to breathe, but the sharks were attacking it. Jake and Rachel charged um, two other uh, sharks. Rachel hit hers, but Jake's uh, shark uh, avoided him, and then it quickly turned to chase him. So they were all in a frenzied battle, uh, the dolphins against the sharks, and then Cassie realized, like, we could 
die uh, doing this, actually. We didn't really think this through. But because there's 60 books left, the sharks uh, get distracted by the first bleeding <laughs> shark that Cassie had hit. Uh, they swam uh, after that injured shark, and uh, those sharks said, ha and ate him in the distance. Um, so looking around, <laughs> Cassie and others discover that Marco was injured in the fight. Uh, he was motionless in the water, and uh, his tail had almost been bitten clean off. So that's a problem because they are miles away from shore, and now there's no way Marco could swim back. Yeah. He also cannot swim. Th- yeah. Yep. So again, one, why didn't they teach their friend how to swim before this? Yeah. Or why didn't he learn? Two, it's definitely the most graphic this is getting so far now that his literal, his like tail fin is like hanging on by a little bit because it got like bit off by a shark this is getting they're up in the ante here Mm -hmm. that's all okay (laughs) yeah and they haven't been injured in a morph yet oh yeah they're figuring this out because they morphed tobias morphed uh uh his red-tailed hawk that he acquired had a broken wing so they knew that that healed it but they don't know that being injured in a morph and remorphing back is a way to do a sketch and get it to uh yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) wipe it away Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it is graphic i honestly i kind of want to go the route of I give Marco props, even though he's dumb, to go swimming in the water as a morph (laughs) and not being able to swim as a human, because this obviously comes up a few times within this book. But also kind of brave. I mean, he's still going to go out there and help everybody the best he can and and do this thing. But even though he can't swim uh, as a human, I I don't know. I feel like that would be a real big fear to get over. Uh, I agree. I agree. I think they did this. Like, like this is where I think Marco starts to turn around for me. Like, when Cassie talks to Marco alone. Yes. And then when Marco, later in the book, gets more on board and he's putting on, like, he's doing, he's actually being sort of brave. Like, like okay, this is like a turning point for Marco for me a little bit. It is for me too. Yeah. And I pulled out those quotes here because we're about to get to them soon because he, it's less of him making really mean comments to everybody and just not being a very good friend or person versus like okay we can understand a little bit of the the marco onion and peeling back some of the layers (laughs) shrek style Um, and uh kind of understand uh what's what's making him tick a little bit more yeah but yeah his bravery of actually going in the water even though he's can't swim dumb but uh So Jake is looking to Cassie for help uh, because he's the animal expert. Uh, Margo's in major pain and rightly freaking out. He's like, oh man, I don't want to die as some fish. I don't want to die out here. My mom drowned. I'm going to die just like she did. My dad. And he like trails off and Cassie interrupts him shouting for him to just morph. And Rachel says if he morphs into a human, he will drown. Um, Cassie reasons that morphing uh, is just using DNA. So if Marco morphs back into human, the injury shouldn't affect his human DNA, and then he can immediately morph back into a dolphin because the dolphin's body was injured, but the dolphin's DNA itself is intact and should be the same, so he'll be a healthy dolphin again. If he goes human, then dolphin back. Marco said, obviously, I can't swim as a human. They reassured him they'll keep him from drowning. Uh, he was losing a lot of blood. So he morphed back into a human, and he like grabs a hold of a Cassie dolphin, and she tries to get him mm-hmm. up to the surface so as not to drown. Then they feel the humpback whale go beneath them, and it slowly rose up, holding them up to the surface to breathe. So beautiful moment. Cassie felt communication from the whale. It's just a 
pure emotion of gratitude. They had saved the whale and it was grateful. So now um, it would save their schoolmate. The whale held Marco up above the waves. Uh, Tobias lands beside him for a little while and uh, the whale spoke to Cassie. It told her of his migrations, his mates, his life story. He had been living for generations, for decades, and had seen so much. The whale hinted that they were um, not only the new kind of strange creatures that uh, he has seen in the ocean. He has seen a grassy plain with trees and a stream all underwater and communicates this imagery to Cassie. And in that image, uh, an animal runs across the plain uh, that was part deer, part scorpion, and part almost human. Cassie asks exactly where this uh, new creature was. And at that point, then Tobias lets them know they have about 25 minutes left in their morph. So Marco morphs back into a dolphin. And then they head back to shore. And so goes that little sojourn and test drive out into the ocean. (laughs) I feel like when I was a kid, I definitely took this interaction at face value. And I was like, yeah, whales are just like people. (laughs) They They just live in the ocean. They just tell you things. And it just seems very, very like magical realism compared to the rest rest of the series. Which kind of gets graphic, sci-fi, hardcore, kind of, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of it gets explained by science fiction tropes. It's kind of like a halfway in between, I think, hard and soft sci-fi yeah, okay. when you get down to it. But they attempt to explain everything. But they're just like, yeah, whales are magic spirits who live in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really was heartwarming how she was describing them. Yeah. Their interaction. I'm on board with Cassie and whale buddy. Like, they'll go pal around and... <laughs> It's, uh, it was really pretty. So the next chapter, Cassie goes to visit Marco at his home. So he and his dad live in an apartment complex on the far side of uh, Jake and Rachel's neighborhood. Cassie said that she's only been to uh, his place a couple of times and she guessed because Marco's embarrassed because he doesn't have much money. So they bring that back up again. Yeah, he used to live in a house near Jake, but that was before his mother died and his father had a breakdown and quit his job. Cassie knocks and uh, on the door and Marco answers his dad was in a bathrobe watching TV on the couch, but she got the sense that he was kind of always there on the couch even that's when always he, what he was yeah, doing even when it mm-hmm. was not the weekend it, it didn't it, it looked like a well lived in spot marco didn't want her to come in so they stepped outside to talk on the breezeway cassie explained she felt it was her fault that marco was in such danger yesterday she didn't like that it was um her mission and that one of her friends can get hurt because of her idea to go search for the andalite so a lot of guilt Right there. Marco pegs it uh, on the head and says he gets it. Cassie doesn't like the responsibility of being a leader in this situation um, and for taking the group out into danger. So as a quote from the book, Marco grew serious, even sad. Um, But you know what? Sometimes bad things happen. That's just the way it is. But Cassie still feels guilty. So we kind of get just like, this is what we were talking about before, a better understanding of Marco. Um, He says, I'm scared all the time now, Cassie. I'm scared to fight the Yerks, and I'm scared of what will happen if I don't. I look at Tobias, and what happened to him scares me to death. If I get stuck in a morph someday, I don't know. And most of all, I'm I'm scared of him, and Cassie knows what he means. Um, Vizzer 3. God, Morgan, Vizzer, is that right? Yeah, Vizzer. Oh, I did it! <laughs> um. yeah. I feel like they are like, well, we have to mention him. We haven't mentioned him all book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we need to bring this up because it's going to get a little awkward when uh, uh, he uh, he may be talked about, but, you know, at the very end. Um. Well, they've rehashed everything else every time. So. <laughs> it's like your Prince Zuko. You need to bring him up every single episode. 
did. <laughs> Marco then brings up they have a problem in the news. There was a report that some guy was going to be out looking for like lost treasure off their coast. And then another story in the news about a marine biologist who also had a ship that was going to do underwater exploration around in their area. So this could only mean one thing, uh, that controllers um, were um, spreading some cover stories so that they could be out in the ocean without anybody raising an eyebrow so they can look for the Andalite ship. Cassie is worried for her friends, any of them getting killed on her mission. Uh, Marco also has another insightful moment here. He said, Cassie, you know how I feel about all this. I think we have to take care of ourselves first and our own families. And then he glanced at the apartment door. On the other hand, I guess what after the Andalite did for us, I wouldn't feel much of a human being if I didn't try to save whoever is out there. So I think this just shows some, you know, the character motivation for Marco. I mean, all in all, he really does care about his family, but he does care for what the Andalite prince ultimately did for them and the sacrifice was there. Yeah, I think that's like his conflict of that we're getting the hint of it a little bit before we get his book next. To be like, listen, he doesn't he's not saying this because he's a coward and or he just doesn't want to. And I mean, hey, if a kid is like Howard in this situation, they're 13, 14 years old, and they're like, I don't want to turn into animals to fight aliens, that would be understandable. But even that, it's not that. He's just really scared of what's going to happen to his dad. He saw what happened to his dad when his mom died. And if he died, he's pretty sure his dad would just Waste not away. make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. I just, uh, yeah, the beginning, first two books especially, just his lashing out with just really neat remarks. That's what was more like, really, Marco? <laughs> um, but all of this yeah. makes, yeah, a lot more sense going deeper into his uh, inner inner conflicts. He could still be nicer. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so the Animorphs regroup back at Rachel's house, and so they go over their plan. They know at least one Andalite is out uh, at the bottom of the ocean, and Cassie's got the coordinates essentially from the whale um, to go find him. Uh, Jake and Cassie have realized that the possible area where they would find the Andalite ship is too far off the coast for their two-hour morph window, so they wouldn't be able to swim out and back in that amount of time. So Rachel has a solution. First, they'd morph into seagulls and fly out to a ship that, you know, would be um, going through the shipping channel that's in obviously going the right direction. So they'd uh, morph back into humans on the ship, rest, and then as the ship gets them closer to their search area, they'll jump over the side and morph into dolphins to then go search underwater. Um, Marco then says this idea just gets better and better. Jake says, let's put it to a vote. I'm in, Marco said instantly. In a split second behind him, Rachel (laughs) says her usual, I'm in. Everyone stared open-mouthed at Marco. Just once I wanted to beat Rachel to it, he explained. Um, They all (laughs) agreed and put their plan in action the next day. (laughs) I also like how they set this up as like the first time they went out was Friday because it was a three-day weekend. That day that that Cassie went to see Marco and then they voted, that was Saturday and now it's Sunday. So they're like, this is one weekend. Don't worry, we don't have school. (laughs) That's a good point. You just have to explain it (laughs) ahead of time. Very good point. After everyone departed from Rachel's house, Cassie and Jake, like, walked together, both heading home in the general direction, same general direction. Um, So it's like a small Jake and Cassie romance moment. She takes his hand in hers, and she's, like, about to say her true feelings, and then she just tells him, don't get hurt, and, you know, wah, wah. And then we go on to the next chapter. Um, <laughs> okay, so personally, I think the seagull morphs may be my favorite morphs so 
I like the wolves and I really like the dolphins, but the junk food obsessed seagulls are <laughs> amazing. <laughs> the four kids, they morph into seagulls and are totally like seagull-brained. They go gaga over any uh, trash food on the ground. Um, uh, so uh, my dog, sorry, is doing his body scratch like blue bear thing against the couch and just rubbing his back up and down. So if you hear scratching and snarfing, that is why. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh so the kids are seagulls, and they're looking, like, for anything that could possibly be food. So they go, like, hey, look, french fries on the ground. Whoa, that uh, half uh, Three Musketeers bar is by that car. Uh, and, like, oh, oh, look at that dumpster behind the McDonald's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they fly out to container ship in the ocean with Tobias. Uh, they catch up to the ship and hide behind the shipping containers away from the crew and morph back into humans. So they figure their search area is about 20 miles out at sea. So Tobias lets them know they're moving about uh, along on the ship about 18 miles an hour, and so they need to wait about an hour or so to then morph into the water to go searching. Tobias uh, pieces out. He says he better fly back to the land because he cannot be that far out at sea and fly back safely. So he leaves them with his little watch. Did we talk about his little Tobias watch? Yeah, he's got a little watch to make sure that they don't go over... Over time anymore. Time, like they did with the wolves. Seriously, for the first two books, it it would have been very handy to put a watch on. (laughs) At least they finally got to it. (laughs) Yeah, little bird watch. Uh, So he leaves them. At least they they learned before they got the alien watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So they waited about an hour, but they forgot... Got to calculate that the container ship has a really long drop from the deck down to the water. Um, they figure they'd have to jump in as humans and morph as dolphins um, once they hit the water, but Marco couldn't, you know, can't swim. So instead, Marco starts morphing on deck as a dolphin, and in mid morph, the others shove him over the side so he hits the water as a dolphin and was able to swim. <laughs> and then Rachel, Jake, and Cassie <laughs> jump overboard. They all have morphed su- uh, successfully, and uh, they swim away from the choppy uh, waves around the large container ship. Um, then Cassie senses senses which direction they should go uh, according to the information from the whale. She clicks through the water um, as the other school and follow her. Um, the pod before going um, through the rifts and valleys of the sea. She senses that they're close, and so she goes up uh, to the surface for one last a large lung full of air before diving with the others. Um, when she does so, Cassie sees a helicopter overhead. It's dragging like a cable through the water, um, probably like a sensor. So they knew it could only be the controllers and that they were getting close to. The kids as dolphins drove um, stay, uh, straight down to the dark ocean floor and they like whip past all this ocean life until they see this round dome on the ocean floor that's about half a mile wide and it was transparent and inside there was a park. It was this park at the bottom of the ocean with blue green grass um growing in there there's some trees resembling broccoli and some other trees resembling asparagus spears that are like orange and blue i like how they're like what vegetables are kids familiar with that they don't like probably these two (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's just do these ones yeah imagine the food that's on your plate but big yeah (laughs) and weird colors exactly I was kind of hoping for a better vegetable. Where's our kohlrabi trees? Um, At the center of the park, there was also a small lake with uh, green crystals growing out of it. 
Uh, so they're running out of oxygen as dolphins. They find a hatch that's an entrance to the dome and they swim inside. It's like a transition chamber and uh, the water drains from the room and they can um, breathe again. So the four of them morph back into humans and walk into the dome and then Cassie falls unconscious. She wakes up uh, looking at the ocean through the dome. Everybody else was unconscious too. A voice spoke to her saying, do not move. I stunned you to see what you are, but if you move, I will destroy you. It was an Andalite that stood before her holding what looked like a Yurk-like dracon beam. The others woke up and they explained that they had heard the Andalites call and that they came to help. The Andalite was confused that humans could hear their call. Uh, He said he was calling his cousins, Cassie explained that she had heard his call in her dreams. So they mentioned Prince Elfingar, the Andalite that they knew um, before he was killed. This Andalite before them took that news rather hard that the prince was actually killed. He was dead. Um, He explained he was Elfingar's Mm -hmm. younger brother. Um, The four kids explained that Elfingar gave them the power of the Andalites to morph and fight the Yurks. Marco explains that the Yurks also know that this Andalite is here right now and they're searching for him, but they are here to help him escape. The Andalite accepts this and says that they do need to rest for a moment from their last morph before they can uh, leave. So at this point, it's a good time to talk about the underwater dome. Uh, He explains it's the main part of the Andalite uh, dome ship where they live. Uh, During battle out in space, the dome was separated from the rest of his ship and he crashed it out into the sea. He also admitted uh, he was too young to actually be in the battle in the first place and he was calling out to his cousins to be rescued. He had been in that dome underwater for weeks uh he explained he also was not a prince or a warrior uh the kids bond with him and this young andalite is named oh god morgan let's go let's do it (laughs) (laughs) axi millie es garuth ishil axe for short The the other like Elfingor's full name, I feel like we could totally pronounce, but this was I like I gave up on it. I was like, oh thank god, thank god there's a nickname. Uh, Aximili Esgarouth is Phil. Okay. Um I mean that's how I pronounce it. Okay. Again, we don't I like Aximili as far as his first name. <laughs> You're not a big fan but, of the Escarters. <laughs> well no, like a I am pretty certain on that, but Esgaruth, Esgaroth, Isbil, that's like got a lot of variations. So it could be, it could be anything really. <laughs> so anyway, his name is Axe. Axe. We talked about him earlier and he's Elfanger's brother, his baby brother. Yeah, but apparently he's not a prince. He didn't explain himself as a prince. Um, yeah, prince is like a commander type. They're in charge. Oh, okay. So it's like prince and then warrior and then what he is, which is like a cadet. Oh, so are they like actually related genetically or just yeah. like he's okay. his like genetic brother okay okay they share parents um, <laughs> okay so uh axe asks uh who uh the kids prince princes and all three of them look at jake <laughs> and uh jake says oh give me a break i'm not anyone's prince but the andalite uh stepped forward he bowed his head and lowered his tail i would fight for you prince jake until i can return to my cousins mm-hmm. that's the end of the chapter nice loyalty there prince jake i they're really selling this whole i feel like that makes sense with how these last books have just been painting how, how they all see jake yeah that smile that damn smile of his <laughs> he's in charge yeah and so i feel like they were like we need a, a, a like a 
way for them to get information like more information yeah like the backstory like they you know to explain something a lot of things later yeah (laughs) i'm sorry there's there's only so much that um the andalite prince elfinger can like download to tobias right before he dies (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and then they're also like and he can tell time with his brain. Oh. <laughs> oh I have, <laughs> That's going to come in handy later. I like Axe. Like, I, I'm i glad they added this character. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you guys are going to love him next book. Oh, good. And in his book, his first book is eight, because um, that's like the course, eight and three. So if it ends with three, so 3, 13, 23, 33, those are all Tobias. Eight, 18, 28, 38, those are all Axe. Mm-hmm. So... We'll get his book at eight. Yay. Exciting. Okay. Well, I <laughs> well we got to do Marco's first. We get we get a lot of acts in the next book. Good. Um, with Marco. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so what they what's going next is, again, more of this asparagus tree. I mean, now we're learning things. Now we're learning culture. <laughs> um, he, uh, acts is like, this is a Derishal tree, the giant asparagus-like spears doesn't seem it seems kind of cool but you know and then we also call this enos ermarf <laughs> um which is swedish for um the the way the lake curves forward into the grass framed by the durashal trees so this that was pretty interesting because um you see this in a lot of other languages outside of english that like they'll have words for very specific uh, situations, feelings, or, or natural things. formation, depending on yeah, yeah, how significant yeah. it is in that culture. Yeah, and so I thought, you know, it's pretty cool. It's like, okay, they've they've got, you know, it's just I just great because obviously this is written in English. We're assuming these people are in America, and then it's like, oh, here's, you know, it's nice that they, you know, have a language they're being introduced to that's, you know, does something like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But so you know, Rachel makes a cute little comment that he's cute. She thinks the Anna the uh, Andalite, not Prince uh, Axe is cute. I think not in like a handsome way, but in a um, just like a, I think just like an adorable creature sort of a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they, they seem to be getting along, which is great. It's, it's, you start seeing more culture like that, you know, they're like, you just, you guys just live in grass? And, you know, Axe is like, yeah, where do you live? You know, what about clothes? And, you know, it's just, they are a very, seem to be a very free-ish society, yet they're also very technologically advanced. So it, it doesn't seem like they necessarily create like a lot of um structures which is just interesting too it's like you know where does their technology come from do they have factories urban centers you know it doesn't necessarily seem like it you know i want i'm just seeing like how they're you know creating such things with you know still maintaining the like ecology and very much nature of their home and it's interesting i'm wondering like what their concept of privacy is too because like this dome ship is just exposed also who's to space whose traveling ship is this like i mean it does not seem very arrogant i like or whatever to dodge lasers yeah and that's why because it's a dome well, it's a dome that was attached to a larger piece like a uh, of machinery that was <laughs> yeah. you know the actual ship and engine and part of whatever that was devices that were battling the other ship so it's just like that's just only like essentially the cockpit <laughs> uh the nature cockpit that's yeah the, the bottom of the ocean. The rest of the ship detaches from this part. This is like the living, like the R and R quarters. I get it. It's just as for me, it just does not seem like that's not something you take to the battle. <laughs> you know? No. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And that's why they did. That's why they detached it. So yeah. the other part of the ship did detach and was destroyed, and this part fell into the ocean. Yeah. Fortunately, just a mere two hours away from our heroes, and not in like Antarctica or whatever. <laughs> destiny, 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 destiny. But Axe again giving us more backstory. It tells about how the Yurks, um, which you just tell about more how evil they are. They don't just infest a host and you know use and abuse them. They also kill all other unnecessary. Um, creatures every other plant and animal that is not used as food or you know in the construction of something is eliminated and um so now the kids are definitely freaked out because it's not just fighting for the human race they're literally fighting for the life of the planet sounds like global capitalism am i right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's also interesting too it's like how like that's not a very like a long-lasting strategy like if you eliminate all these other species like i mean your entire ecosystems are going to collapse and you're you can't sustain your hosts you know without you know certain things i mean they might have technology to help but like i'm pretty sure there it's it's like we hydroponically grow the grass or whatever to feed the cows to feed the hosts and you know you just keep the bare minimum like you don't need well, where are they getting the oxygen from I don't yeah know. that that would be i was gonna say you don't need the rainforest to keep humans alive but actually that it's called like, the lungs of the planet for a reason and like kelp forests too you know and like algae it's like it's like you know like, i don't i don't think it's this is granted in the 90s but i don't think this Presumably is they have something to artificially produce the rays of their sun so they have something and they travel through space so Presumably they have something, except they can't because they collect air from planet Earth to take up to space. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, capitalism I... is short-term gains. <laughs> so that's that also fits with my analogy here. Yeah. Um, another really interesting thing to do is Axe is like, there's only three species that fight the Yerks. And so the Andalites are one of them. And he doesn't tell us yet about the other two. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. So <laughs> Whenever we think about them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we haven't invented them yet. So there's, you know, there's hopefully some other, you know, uh, aliens that we're going to be able to, you know, fight alongside with, which would be really cool. Um, but the kids are definitely dealing with this. And, you know, they're asking questions, you know, Marco and Rachel and, you know, how did all this happen? You know, if your analytes are so tough and know all this stuff, because it seems like they also it kind of feels like the analytes also know like the origin of the Yerks and how this all, you know, happened, which I'm like, kind of with you, Kate, like, is it evolution or did, did the analytes do something wrong and like make the Yerks? Oh, it's like uh, the children of the forest making the White Walkers. Yeah, kind of. And it's, and you know, it's sort of like, um, and then they ask like, how did this happen? How did they manage to get so powerful? You know, and you know, Rachel's, you know, very upset. And I'm like, go off, Rachel. But um, Axe is like, I am forbidden to tell certain things. And I'm with Rachel. I'm like, the fuck you are. <laughs> like, yeah. We're rescuing you from the bottom of the freaking ocean, my dude. Our planet is going to be destroyed. And you're like, you can't tell me this. I'm like, yeah, because a lack of information. He obviously did not learn that knowledge is power. <laughs> so <laughs> like um, you're forbidden when you're the only Andalite on Earth and they're like two years away. <laughs> so like okay axe fuck off that's um they're like okay they've wasted enough time they've learned that's great now they need to they need to they need to go home they need to get out of here so you know marco's like how do we do this obviously marco i think is the one that states a lot of the obvious things for us he needs to morph a, a sea creature and um you know he's like oh i have one it's why i'm a little close and i stunned it and i guess 
you know, the Andalites swam out to it, touched it, swam back, or has great swimming skills, or sense water pressure. It was in the airlock. Okay. And he lured it with a little something-something. But, um, so that's cool. Um, he got something. He got a sea creature, and we don't know what it is yet, which is great. But we'll find out, because they notice a shadow over the dome, and they look up, and there's a huge honking ship. Um... And so they're now promptly freaked, and because especially because they're hearing sonar sounds, and um, we get a nice hunt for Red October reference here, <laughs> which um, is the same in the reprints and in the originals. They oh. leave, except the only difference is that in in the original, Marco says that movie, The Hunt for Red October, and then in the reprint, it says that old movie, The Hunt for Red October. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, like, like that one stood the test of time. They just quantified, qualified. It yeah, but age. they just are like, yeah, no, now it's old. <laughs> okay. Um. So they're freaking out. They're like, more if they know this isn't good. They've learned. You know, they're they're still no match for these people. Um. And it's great. We get to see freaky things. So um, the Andalite uh, begins more, you know, they get into the chamber, water's rushing in, and they all begin morphing. Um, Andalite morphs, you know, they're like now describing it's, you know, morphing its tail and its legs and its eyes. And, you know, Cassie's obviously, you know, freaked out about that just because morphing is freaky. Um, and so, you know, they start hearing explosions and so yep their their dome is getting baba boomed <laughs> um and so they're trying to morph and morph and morph and then um you know the the exterior door opens and they rush out of the sort of water airlock and it's four dolphins and a shark so <laughs> yes let's let's you know approach this again for them a uh, good thing they're in dolphin and not as PTSD, probably. <laughs> but yeah, Axe had morphed a shark. And he's like, is there a problem with this? And he's like, yeah, we're immortal enemies. Um, so that's fun. But you can also get a really good idea that um, Axe, he, he's an expert at morphing. He's like, what, you know, animal instincts are you talking about? <laughs> like, he seems as cool as a cucumber. Um, or we don't know if he practiced, maybe, but... I get the feeling that he didn't. Yeah, it didn't seem like he said he did. No, I think he just probably is like, oh, cool, earth creature. I might need yeah. to use this later. So the dome the dome is breached. The water's pouring in. It's lost. They're not really going to be going back here soon. But the trees. Um, Dang, too bad they couldn't keep the shredder, the, the weapon. The weapon he was weapon. holding? Yeah, the dra- handheld dracon beam. It's a sh- The Andalites one is called a shredder, and it's too bad they couldn't keep that. That's a lot more dangerous. The, how could the uh, shark could carry that with the, like, you know, its mouth out the door and stuff? I feel like the dolphins could have carried it. Possibly. Some, and they could have uh, still rammed into taxons with if, it. If a hawk could have carried a dragon beam laser, I'm sure. Mm. That, you know, uh, they amen. Like, out. seriously. I didn't know if it was that important, Morgan, because obviously he just left it. But apparently it could have been helpful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then they also take this time to describe what controllers they're experiencing on Earth. The the Hork-Bajir and the Taxons. And the um, Axe is like, oh, we're safe. Yurks know little of deep waters. You know, obviously, you know, they're in shallow pools or sluggies. And, um, you know, and they're like, oh, they've had, you know, Hork-Bajir. And, you know, Axe doesn't seem freaked out about them. Apparently, Hork-Bajir don't really swim. But then the taxons are a problem. Um, and this is kind of gross where you got all these freaking lobster centipede things, you know, able to swim in the water, <laughs> which is, yeah, that's what you wanted those things to be semi-aquatic. <laughs> that's great. Um, and 
Cassie's recalling the time that they ate little parts of Elfangor after Visor 3 devoured him and and that they ate even their own kind when Visor 3 told them to. So they're they're very, you know, hostile. Um so that's that's freaking great. Um so they they end up fighting um them, which is, you know, great. They're gushing them. They seem to pop really easily in the water, which I'm like, oh, do they just yeah. get softer? Which is also kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> they just ram into them and they uh, they Burst. ram into them and they explode like bugs. Yeah. Yeah. So that like soggy paper bag. That's tangent time. I was visiting my family and um, they live in Texas now. And so there was these there were these big toads that were I'm trying to think of an analogy. They were pretty big little little guys. And the dog, one of the dogs knocked it off of a step, a step onto a lower step, and it made this popping noise, and I thought that they had burst this toad open, oh. Oh. but it was fine. It hopped away, <laughs> oh, but God. it reminded me of this. <laughs> oh, my God. Very graphic visual. I'm sorry for you. It's just like, what, it poofed out air as it, like, fell down the steps and then went on its, <laughs> it's merry sma- way? I think it's back smacked onto the steps, and it just made this horrible, horrible <laughs> popping noise. Oh. <laughs> Fun times. But it was fine. It walked away. It hopped away. Yay. <laughs> Which dog did this? Uh, ben. Oh, okay. <laughs> the rambunctious boy. Um, they go on, Catwell Cassie goes on to say that, um, in the middle of their fight that, you know, because they're so adapted to the water that, oh, fun fact, dolphins, you know, have evolved from land mammals that, you know, made their way back to the sea. So, you know, like all life comes from the sea, land mammal evolves, that's sort of dog-like, evolves back to be aquatic, um, you know, that's very true whales they all have vestigial hind leg limbs and their body other mm-hmm. things are actually i think most closely related to like hippos and like other like uh toad like mammals animals and something else so it's like um dolphins whales very interesting evolutionary tree mm-hmm. um but that's a little cute aside with this so they beat up the taxons are like let's beat it yo yeet out of here <laughs> um and so they do, and the blade ship comes, and they're, like, just terrified. And then they're pissing themselves in the ocean when they hear Visor 3. And even the shark, even Axe, is just, like, distressed. Um, so we all know he's the big baddie. And then something plops into the water. And the sound they have it make is, Belof, bel- and whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> like, I always think it was, like, like basic whoop, 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 whoop. Um, and so, obviously, Visor 3, never short of these really gross, giant, dangerous morphs. Alien um, morphs. Yeah. And I think Axe calls it, um, where is the, ah, Mardrut, um, mm-hmm. a beast that lives in the oceans of one of the Andalite moons. And so, Axe is pissed <laughs> off about that. Like, how dare uh, so you? I was trying to Google fan art of this, and someone just posted the picture of Sandy tree dome from spongebob the squirrel (laughs) oh because that's essentially what it is totally is yeah and we had a squirrel early on in the book too (laughs) this is plagiarism yeah Uh, but so (laughs) the the mardrut is huge dark red almost purple hump uh of a massive beast and it's like covered with hundreds of small fish tails all beating frantically sorry just needed a visual 
Yeah, I find yeah. to think of it sort of like an octopus that like is covered in fishtails and it's got like three siphons that it uses as like jet power to shoot water out of to to move it's uh it was kind of hard for me to exactly visualize but um i kind of imagined it as like a big tube kind Mm -hmm. of more like a graboid looking thing (laughs) from tremors those are the creatures from tremors (laughs) the under big underground worms so like like a short stout worm with a big mouth and a bunch of fins on it or something like that yeah um, this wouldn't be also an Animorph book if there wasn't some sort of mortal danger. So they're running <laughs> away and running and running and they're running out of and, time. And it wouldn't be one of the first six if they didn't think they were going to die. Exactly. <laughs> they're running and running and they're running out of time to morph and they're running really tired. They're like, we can't do this anymore. And they're like, we're going to die. That thing's going to eat us and we're going to die. And they they turn to face Visitor 3 like, this is the end. And then suddenly... And Cassie specifically and again i was reading this on a plane and i was like don't cry on us next to a stranger on a plane <laughs> but she's like uh, Jake, hang on let me find it i have to tell you something me too cassie me too <laughs> not that part where the part where she's oh. like i'm not gonna die with hate in my heart and it's like that's just a very strong per like i'm not I'm too petty for that. <laughs> Die with hate in my heart, oh, you know? Oh, yeah, very much. <laughs> it's a very noble thing where she's like, and I was thinking about my dad and my mom and the wildlife rehabilitation clinic and, um, you know, everybody good and sitting at my grandmother's feet as she told me the story of our family, of all the generations who had lived and worked on the farm. And then the whale comes. <laughs> Well, Cassie calls out just desperately for, like, somebody help. The big one, the great one, please help. And the whales, sir. They form (laughs) vertical torpedoes, and they hit into the Madra Visor 3 and damage him. And he's like, I'm out of here. That freaking hurt like a bitch. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, Uh, no, no, no. no. It's two. You got the the great. uh, You got the humpback whale, and you got... you got uh, two sperm whales that help him, which are very interesting because sperm whales dive very deep, and I need to look up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, where that's the the Moby Dick whale, I think. Sperm whales are big, are smaller than humpback whales. I did look that up, but they their their range is like much deeper, deeper waters. Yes, yeah, and they're very torpedo shaped. Yes. Um, Mm-hmm. I mean, slamming into that's got that blunt head. I feel yeah. like those whales creep me out the most because they are straight predators. Yeah, mm, eating squid and other crap, and they're the big, they're the largest just predator, and it creeps me out. <laughs> and they're shaped weird. Yeah, their mouths are weird. Yeah, <laughs> not still not a fan of whales, but they sit with the whales. <laughs> the whales cool. save the day. Axe is keeping time with the morph in his head because he's the morph champion. He he. I think he's either going to teach them some things or Andalites just have better morphing ability. Um, but they're they're running out of time. They're trying to demorph, but they're exhausted. The whales actually um. Actually, they're riding on a humpback whale, and they've demorphed. So now it's just a bunch of humans riding on a humpback whale through the ocean back home, which is really cool. Um, and, you know, the whale, you know, they get this great sense again of, I think, camaraderie and, um, you know, gratitude. And so so that's great. Um, if they actually did claim the whale's DNA right now, then the whale goes into a trance for all of them doing that. Wouldn't the whale then start sinking? Then they all have trouble again. 
<laughs> it could be floaty. I mean, they float they're have they blubber. Sleep. Yeah, I feel like it would float. But so they get back. You know, everybody's happy and alive. Uh, they morph when they get close to shore. They go back up the river. They get to their um, stuff. Um, there and they start demorphing. Um, and now they're like, "Well, what are we gonna do with a giant ass andalite?" And Cassie is like, "He can stay at my place." And they're like, "Okay, mm-hmm. but how do we get him there? We can't just walk this thing through town." And Axel's like, oh, that's easy, which is like, duh, you guys. Um, and he he touches each of them and acquires all four of the human animorphs' DNA, which again is something like, can our animorphs get more DNA samples of the same species? Yeah, but yeah, I have I have in my notes that back at book one, Jason, you had a question about could you acquire a tiger and a lion and then make a liger, and I was like. Write that down because it's going to come up. <laughs> because and so we got more information. <laughs> yeah, because Axe then starts morphing into a human, but using all, f- but mixing all four of the DNA samples he acquired, which I think is great because we better see some crazy elephant, tiger, water buffalo, <laughs> hawk, eagle, griffin mixtures here. We better be seeing narwhal unicorns um, with this. But so... You know, uh, Axe basically... Oh, my God. Um, yes. Acquire a narwhal and a horse, and then it's just a unicorn. Yes. Hell just, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, mean, I, I just want to <laughs> see some of them, you know, getting technical with their morphing ability. You know, they're right now they're very, like, you know, basic first dungeon here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so he's, he's done this, and he basically... I'm going to uh, go over his description. Um, so what he looks like is... Um, so he did not look normal. He was of medium height, perfect balance between Rachel and Marco. Marco short, Rachel's tall and model-like. Um, he was of medium build, somewhere between Jake and Marco. Marco's thin, Jake is big, but not super big. Um, his hair is brown, with just a little bit of Rachel's gold and a little bit of, uh, Cassie's curl. His color was like, his color was like light brown sugar, a blending of, uh, Cassie's brown and Marco's olive. And a little, and a spattering of Jake and Rachel's pale white. Um, also it was a really funny, he, uh, uh, Axe chose male for his, uh, for his morph sex and he gets nakedy and he doesn't know how to put <laughs> the boxers on. And then, you know, they have the girls turn around and they help Axe do this again. They're very comfortable with male nudity with each other, you know, good for them. Um, <laughs> and they get him sorted out and, you know, he's all, he's dressed normally. And then they, uh, they get... Uh, uh, it's funny because Axe is trying to talk with his mouth instead of his brain, like, like Andalites generally do. And so he's stumbling over words and it's kind of adorable. Um, he's he's like repeating it. words, repeating sounds and like just like kind of interested in the way that the sounds sound mm-hmm. <laughs> when he's forming them with his human mouth. He's having a time, which is great. <laughs> so that that's where they end, you know, um, they go home. Um, and then it gets again a couple days later it's nighttime Cassie morphs and flies to the gardens the dolphin tank um, says hi to them morphs in the tank with them and they all play together and have a great time at night and the book ends on a really happy note I like this book (laughs) so that's it it was a good book you guys should read it yeah listeners yes this is a good one um it's I feel like, like I said, they're hitting their stride and kind of figuring out what they want the series to be. I feel like they did a little bit with Tobias's book, but it was a little bit harder to do that because they obviously had to have a lot more of a Tobias dealing with Tobias being a hawk uh, moment. But now they kind of got to zoom out a little bit. 
mm-hmm. um, for this one. Yep. So was glad. Yeah. It was it was good. It was nice. Um, I'm glad they have Axe. He seems like an interesting character. Um, teach him really how to morph. Also, they better address and ask him, like, can you reverse morphing? If how? And obviously it's not going to be a thing available to him. But we'll see how it goes. They have to have a way to do it. Get Tobias out of his morph. But yeah, that's it. Do we, what do we want to, what do we want to go over? What's everybody, what are we feeling? Hmm. I don't know. Just uh, good feels. <laughs> good feels. I feel like I like this one. I think the problems that we talked about with Cassie, like kind of thinking too much about it, definitely for me perpetuate. And I feel like a lot of what I feel like other people who aren't me <laughs> relate to Cassie a lot more than I do. Um, like I get it. She doesn't want to be doing this fighting thing. And so she's like really thinking about the morality of it. Um, but sometimes she asks the wrong question. I feel like I don't feel like she doesn't i think she's okay with the fighting i think she's not okay with getting people or other things she cares about in harm's way um and i think it's a lot of uh just not wanting to have to take the responsibility of being a leader maybe it maybe cassie's more like a defensive fighter like a protector and jake Mm -hmm. who is the she protects she does not attack yeah jake is like attack (laughs) cassie's like protect yeah i and there was that moment where she was like the dolphin um wanted to fight with the shark so she was like talking about how that was like easy because the dolphin mind wanted to fight the shark but the dolphin didn't have the same animosity towards the taxons so she kind of had to force herself to do it so yeah. that's kind of like more what I was referring to in this part. But yeah, um, I, I really like that there's a character whose strength is emotions. Emotionally intelligent, like, emotionally in tune. Yes. I think that's great. Yes, I like that a lot. And how it's not like, like when I was a kid, I was like, I'm not like other girls. I'm like Rachel. I like to punch <laughs> things in the face. But now that I'm older, I understand the value of Cassie. No, yeah, so far, Cassie's my fave. I, I am increasingly becoming a fan of Rachel, though, because, uh, yeah, that's that's great. Just go take things head on, you know? Sometimes you just need to do that. But uh, I think I relate to Cassie a lot. As a kid, uh, definitely did not want to take charge of things, but uh, you sense a lot from other people's emotions, and sometimes it can be really overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, Marco, and Tobias got to win me over a little bit more, but I'm a it's Jake and Cassie fan. Axe hasn't done much, but I'm already a Oh, Axe is, is fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's going to be fun. Uh, I bet he's going to show up at school or something, and that'll be fun. Or try to get recruited into the sharing. I don't know. I think it'll be... There's a lot, I think, cool they could stuff do with that. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. So the next book is number five, The Predator. It's Marco's first book. Um, It's uh, The Gorilla, which, as we know, is his first uh, battle we morph. We don't get a new morph. We do. And I'll talk about it. The kind of only really kind of trigger warning. Um, some claustrophobia, which I I have that. I have a lot of phobias. It's weird. I'm a functional adult, I promise. <laughs> um, I didn't really, I wasn't really bothered bothered by the claustrophobia in this, so it wasn't like. And then like lots of vi- animal on animal violence, but it's just insects. <laughs> okay, well they have all those YouTube channels of that. <laughs> Nothing you haven't seen before in your backyard. Um, so yeah, that's about it as far as like rough stuff going on. Oh man, this is gonna be a good one. I'm excited. Yeah, you have a lot of Do cheer we... in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
well, if you want to send me your thoughts about future Golden Eagle related news you can <laughs> at me on twitter at morgan underscore slay um or you can tweet at us at middlemorph on twitter uh and you can also check out my other podcast are you serious are the letter you the word serious pod on twitter kate what about you well i'm not on social media so uh you know maybe you could just send a telegram and that'll get to me here at some point in some decade but uh if not uh you can always reach us uh, by email at middlemorph at gmail.com um yes and my name is jason uh, can, <laughs> we did you, that part already <laughs> i know you can reach me on twitter at bottomus prime uh, bottomus underscore prime check me out thanks for listening this is basic <laughs> Sorry. some asmr to play you out i'm just trying to i don't know i'm trying to mix it up for you guys what's gonna be our thing maybe we'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs>